0: This is the Low Tox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming
1: of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork
0: light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 252. I am interviewing a wonderful local food champion today, Eilish Maloney, uh, who has achieved much in her young life. Um, And I know I start to sound super old when I say such a thing (laughs) But you kind of start to be older than lots of people when you're nearly 46 So anyway, I was really inspired One of you guys actually wrote in and introduced me to Eilish's work And it so happened that she's from a hood where a lot of my family lives Here in the Southern Highlands in New South Wales in Australia Beautiful part of the world Uh, Eilish grew up there and uh, left school early and home to become a chef. Has worked in some of the finest kitchens, both here in Sydney and over in the UK. Has done a huge amount of traveling. Uh, through the lens of exploring food, Uh, and uh, I um, really am excited about what she's then come home to do. So while she could have literally, from the kitchens she's cooked in, chosen where she wanted to work in the world uh, after putting in the hard yards in some of those kitchens, she decided to come back to the Southern Highlands and start a cooperative. Uh, Working with local suppliers, education in the community, starting to look at creative ways in real time, day-to-day, week-to-week on how to reduce things like food waste, how to empower locals to do the same, masterclasses and events on things like composting, getting all the hospitality kitchens in the region to... Uh, plug into a big composting network to reduce the food industry waste, a whole bunch of cool things. And I think it's really important that we amplify the voices of these community champions because it shows us not only what one person can do if they decide to start doing it, but also what we can all do to make sure we know these people exist and they do. In most communities they do. Uh, so that we can actually support them because this kind of stuff doesn't keep going unless people start to make the most of them and start to to buy that jar of pickles, start to bring your compost in, start to um, get a coffee at that cafe where all that good stuff is happening. And I think it's really important for us to seek these cooperatives out to seek these waste warriors out and to back them. If you're not going to do it yourself, next best thing is to back the great work other people are doing, right? So we're going to hook into that conversation with Eilish Maloney in just a little second, but I wanted to remind you that we have a wonderful Australian uh, air filter a uh, brand Oz Climate Winnix who also make the dehumidifiers that you would have heard of a couple of months ago but this month we're focused on air purification and filtration and you have an extra 10% off your purchases through them the code is Life at the checkout but if you want to give them a buzz talk about your space you know it, it's a big purchase and I'm a big fan of actually calling a company like Uh, Oz Climate—they're so approachable and so knowledgeable in the area of air filtration. So you can say, our bedroom, our master bedroom's X by X meters, but our living dining's huge, or we've got quite a boxy little apartment. What do you recommend so that you get one or two air filters that are going to really suit your space, uh, rather than um, just getting whatever? We have an average size bedroom. And the little compact air purifier is perfect for us, and really good value as well. And I love that you see the uh, the blue, amber, and and red uh, light, so you can start to know what's happening around, and see how it impacts air. So I know for a fact, once a frying pan gets switched on in the kitchen, if we don't have our door closed to our bedroom, that starts to go red as soon as something starts to fry, just to give you um, an example of how much cooking can impact our indoor air. And there's, of course, a lot of things that can impact indoor air quality, mould, pets, uh, all sorts. So um, it's, you know, and then, of course, there's the um, wildfires and and bushfires that have tragically impacted us in a huge way, both here over in uh, America as well. Canada, Greece, a lot of regions in the world are starting to experience these more and more, which is exactly why we need to come back to championing uh, local food operatives and uh, getting that piece happening and doing all our things like changing to a a carbon neutral or a green power source. Um, So many things we can do. But right now we are impacted. And as with anything, there's the SOS plan. Get the air filter to make sure our... Um, health isn't compromised by these sorts of events. And then the long-term plan, which is to heal, get better, feel good when it's something like mould or working on climate change uh, solutions to stabilise climate. So I'm a huge fan of Aus Climate. I think they're a great business. They're a local Aussie business. And I want you to make the most of that offer during September. We're coming up to the summer. Who knows what's around the corner, unfortunately, and it could just be a great time to get that sorted. As someone recovering from mould illness, of course, my chief uh, concern is ensuring there are no mould spores flying around in my bedroom while I sleep. So that's one of the reasons I am super passionate about having one in my bedroom, for example. Anywho, the good news is, is I also have an American air filtration offer for our US listeners, which I'm super excited about. Uh, And that is from the good people at The Air Doctor. And so all of our American and Canadian listeners can jump in on this. Uh, As I just said, um, you know, we have dust, we have invisible gases, VOCs from building materials if you've just moved or renovated or built. Uh, And then, of course, in a time where we might want to keep virus and bacteria counts low, air filtration can help with those uh, as well. So the Air Doctor is giving uh, American and US customers up to $300 off their top model the AD5000, which will be $699, that's $300 off, and free shipping on all orders. They have compact models as well, so you might want to check those out. And I have all of the details for you in the show notes, probably easier for me to uh, put all of that in there. So head to the show notes. That's lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast, and I have a ton more details on both the Oz climate. Uh, Winix air purifiers for the Aussies and the air doctor units for the Americans and Canadians. Uh, so there's literally, well, unless you're in Europe, I'm sorry, guys, I couldn't do anything for you, but I'm excited to finally have something for our US and Canadian listeners. You can jump in and make the most of these offers over September. Now let's get back to the all important and inspiring story of community change and uh, waste reduction with eilish maloney enjoy the show hello eilish how are you i'm good thank you how are you i'm great and i'm excited to have you as part of our series on food and connecting to source on a deeper level because you're doing great things in your community setting um what got you into food
1: Um, Well, both my mother and father have family um, farming backgrounds, dad's dairy, mum's beef. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of wasn't until school year nine that I did uh, food technology and it just clicked. I didn't, I wouldn't say I found it easy, but I just found it natural. I found like I kind of just really seemed to connect with food and understand it. And I did work placement um, here in the Highlands and got offered a job through that and I thought, yeah, it just really felt my gut told me it was the right move. So I I left school at the end of year 10 and and went into hospitality and it's it's just been um an insane roller coaster ever since.
0: <laughs> you worked in a couple of really high-end fast-paced kitchens both here and in the UK. Can you talk about that experience in terms of like you come from the country, you come from a farming background, and then it's the nitpicking and all the details and the plating. And like, how does that um, work psychologically as you go through those experiences? Yeah, look, it was a crazy jump.
1: Um, Finished my apprenticeship here and I just wanted to travel, I knew that I needed to get over and see the rest of the world. And I felt that was my link with food was I could actually go emerge myself in different cultures and, and just connect with people, people on a different level through food, because food connects us all. Mm. Um, so I was you know a little bit stubborn. I thought I need to make sure I can do this. so i will move to Sydney for a year without Mom and dad and and be all on my own. And I worked at Nomad um, in Sydney and that was a brigade of 15. and that I came from a kitchen of four mm. um, including. So that was immediately like just. Well, into the deep end, um, you know, open kitchen, everything was on show. It was just this completely different. The, the hours, the the supply and demand. I was, I was, yeah, kind of blown away. But working, not saying regional restaurants at all don't have the same um, uh, kind of, I guess, uh, fit out or anything like that. But just jumping into a city kitchen, you know, it was a brand new. Um, establishment, it was it was flash, it was exciting. It was just like everything was new. So you couldn't, you know, there's no time to be bored or, or um, unimpressed. And I'm still very close with Jackie Challenor actually at Nomad and um really grateful kind of every link I've had from from the moment I stepped into food, I still have with everyone that's taught me, which um I've seen the value in holding on to and Yeah. So I did my, I did my year and a half in, in Sydney. And then I was like one day, day off, I just bought a one way ticket and I was like, I'm going to get to London. I'm not going to waste any more time. And I had a little list of um, restaurants to kind of check out and, um, the Ledbury was, was first on the list. So I, I, I went straight in and got a little job trial and that was just, I, I still, I kind of can't even still believe it. Brett walked in, I'm quite a short, a short female. So walking into a <laughs> kitchen full of boys, like honestly running, running from 7am in the morning. And this kitchen was only a small kitchen. And a lot of them, Australian chefs kind of just like, Oh, who are you? And I was like, Oh, Hey, like, <laughs> trial and you know jumping in on prep for half a day and then Brett Graham himself coming in and he was like Eilish you're gonna stand on a pass and you know you're just gonna you gonna you're gonna watch and he just started feeding me and I felt a little awkward being like oh like this grown man's feeding me this food but every <laughs> single thing I ate was just incredible like the flavor the execution I was like just instantly drawn in and he sat me down and you know the first um words that he said to me was, I know how hard it is to move across the world. So, you know, I'm here, I I can be your family. We we'll, we are a support network. And if you want a job, it's yours. And from that moment on, I just have still the the biggest respect for um, that institution. And Brett Graham, as a person, as a chef, he, he's an amazing uh, teacher, you know, in and outside of the kitchen. And working with seeing ingredients come from, you know, in a matter of hours, come from Italy, France, you know, Belgium, all these different spots.
0: So close.
1: Ah, it's so close. And to have, you know, just this range that was just immaculate, like there was ingredients I'd never even seen of before. Um, Mm. And yeah, it was a it was the hardest two years of my life, you know, (laughs) the the cold, the 17, 18 hour days, but, um, the idea of working in a team where, you know, no matter what, no everyone, you know, you, you worked to your kind of weakest link. And so everyone just pulled each other out of the, the hard times and, and no one walked away, not knowing where they stood every day. And, um, Yeah, it genuinely, the Ledbury in London kind of changed um, the way of food for me.
0: Um, Mm. And it goes to show, like, I mean, obviously those hours are probably not great to sustain uh, for a long period of time over one's life, but at the same time, it's not just how much sleep you get that makes you feel good as a human, work culture, motivation, a sense that someone's supporting you, catching you if you fall All of that stuff's really important as well. And I genuinely believe that if, as long as you have most eggs in the basket, like one can flail for a few years and you'll be right. Um, And and it certainly sounds like you had that there. Um, Before we hook into what you're doing at an exciting community level um, locally now, I'd love to ask you as a chef, what do you wish the home cook knew how to do better to make? Because... And, and I'll preface this by saying most people find cooking either stressful, time-consuming, terrifying or bland at a home cook level, especially if they drift off recipe. Uh, and uh, I, I love helping people dispel those myths. But as a chef, I would love to um, rack your brain for a few tips for the home cooks.
1: Yeah, well, I've definitely noticed it. It's funny ever since ever since I got into cooking, the amount of friends and family that are like, "Hey, how do you poach an egg? How do you do this?" and I'm like, "Wow, what comes really simple and you know um, easy to me actually isn't." And in this day and age, and a lot of people are, I guess, uneducated or nervous about food. And food should be fun, you know. Mm. It shouldn't be seen as this oh, well, chore because we have to eat to stay alive. I think, um, and it's been the big focal point for the business that I've launched, I think looking at an ingredient and looking at it as a whole, not, um, oh, I've got a piece of steak, so I'm just going to cook that piece of steak. You know, a piece of steak drops X amount of fat. You could then, if you're having potatoes, you know, use that fat to, instead of olive oil, gloss over your potatoes and you're using, you know, you're kind of creating a dish to become whole as one, not just every every in um, ingredient as a, a single use. And I think if people stopped and instead of going well, I've seen, you know, a carrot peeled and then chopped into four quarters. So that's how I'm going to do it. It's like, well, make it limitless and put on a bit of music. If you want to drink some wine or something like make it a, you know, a fun um, event, uh, an adventure, you know, it doesn't, if, if, if something goes wrong, the worst thing that comes out of it is, you know, that maybe not, not, not to do it again, or that it's just not your sort of cup of tea. I think if Mm. people seem to be so scared about trying, trying things, even just tasting things. And I'm like, well, if you don't taste it, you don't know what it is. And mm. I think that's, that's how I've come to understand what matches with things, what uh, foods go so well with one another, because you eat something, you try something and you go, ah, oh, whoa, that, you know, that creamy element goes so it cuts through the, you know, the lemon, you know, the lemon juice in, uh, the salad so that just complements one another so I think never be never be scared to um, taste something to its full potential and and uh, the first thing I ever kind of got taught in a professional kitchen was cooking is more than just what you see it's feeling, it's listening it's so surprising. When you're cooking something, or you know uh, something's in the oven, you can, if you if you really pay the attention and, and listen to it, you can you can tell if it's burning because it's sizzling or it's you know there's a sound that doesn't actually sound normal and sound nice. Mm. Whereas a, a beautiful little sauté in a pan, well, it's got this gentle sound to it, um, and it kind of all rolls into one. And if you if you if you're just present within within your cooking. Um, and give it the time, you know, ingredients, the best ingredients, if you're using, you know, really honest, um, natural, organic ingredients and you just give them the time they deserve and the respect, you don't have to do really much to anything to make it taste phenomenal.
0: Mm. And, and that really, using those words like uh, respect that it deserves, helps lift food out of the chore land and into the privileged land, because it really is a privilege to have access to great produce. Um, you know, especially if you're in the city and you don't, ha- you're not surrounded by green space to, to grow stuff. Definitely, um, Very and, lucky.
1: And, you know, Brett, Brett said to me once, we got this box of um, white asparagus in, in London. And I was like, oh, I've never seen white asparagus before. And he was like, you peel this asparagus with such care and dedication and respect just as much, you know, as you would cutting, a, you know, a top end piece of premium meat or, or fish or whatever, you know, truffles. It, every ingredient has been cared for equally as much. You know, there's nothing of higher value than anything in, in food. And I think if you can really um, visualize that, everything just rolls into one. It really nice. Is.
0: Yeah, and it's all part of a life cycle out there, so it's all part of a beautiful cycle in our kitchens. Definitely. Nice. And so obviously after the Leadbury you could have worked anywhere. Uh, why come home?
1: Well, so I continued to travel. I did um, another year travel all through Europe. I did a little bit of, um, I did some staging in Sweden, Um and in Italy. And then I went over to um, America. And funnily enough, I was a bit naive when I got to America. I had the most amazing time, but I decided to travel by bus from Miami all the way up to Boston. Oh, wow. Wow. And- and then all the way across um, to um, Vegas and do the Grand Canyon and then all the way up again across across the West Coast to um, Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I saw such a different side of the country that um, I'd only really watched on, you know, television. And I was like, wow, I, I wasn't aware of so many things going on. And um, it, it got me a little nervous, to be honest. I, I felt a little scared a little unsafe and um a little kind of disconnected to the world that I was living in and when the world is actually so small I've you know six degrees of separation I was like it shouldn't be like this I I shouldn't have thought I could come to this country and expect one thing and see such you know so many different experiences and I think Having experienced that, and then my visa ran out, so and also my money. So I had to come home. Um <laughs> that
0: old chestnut. That yeah. old
1: chestnut. And when I did come home, I was like, whoa, it feels so good to be home. And mm. I driving back to the Highlands, I just appreciated everything I took for granted. Um, you know, even more. And 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 I felt the the connection, I felt grounded and I was like, yeah, I, I I'm in the right place. For me right now. And I knew I wasn't ready to move right back home. I moved, I stayed in Sydney and I worked at um, St. Peter. So I kind of was like, oh, I'm going to take the next year, at least the next 12 months and just, just hone in on one set of skills, just focus instead of going into a kitchen and kind of running and, and grasping so many different skills and, and focuses. I wanted to just set my skills and, and eyes on one thing. And well, and- St.
0: Peter's a good place to do that.
1: Oh, uh, it was incredible. I mm. um I finished on the fish section at the Led Brief. So I was pretty eager to um continue that out. And yeah, Josh got back to me straight away and I was like, okay, we're doing this. And it was it, it kind of felt a bit like a safe haven walking back into a a small kitchen, into a tight mm. team. I've even though I went traveling and I loved nomad and the leadbrief for the 15, you know. And even even so that that's kind of a small brigade, 15 chefs. Some can get up to, you know, 100. be a lot
0: now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I kind of feel I'm the person that likes to be in um smaller brigades where I can make sure I'm noticed and make sure everyone involved is remembered and noticed and appreciated. Um so yeah, that that fell into place. And that was a crazy um 18 months. I quickly became Josh's right hand man, um, which I wasn't necessarily um signing up for but seeing seeing fish on the scale that it was and breaking it down it was again like i was an apprentice i i was i was you know um learning things i'd never even imagined i could learn mm. and whilst i was at st peter we started going through a pretty bad uh drought period again in australia and one of the um you know naive apprentices he had the had the tap running and i was like dude what are you doing like and you know and I t- stopped the water I was like you're standing here with the tap running like we need to be smarter about this and um, he was like we're not in a drought and I was like why do you think we're not in a drought and he's like we're surrounded by water and I was like no. Oh. <laughs> and it was that comment that mm-hmm. it just really struck a different nerve and I was like whoa okay um, this is an issue this is a big issue and I spoke to Josh and I was like look I want to work here but I'd rather work really hard big days and then go back home for three days because I really want to be connected to, to growing and I mm-hmm. really to, um build a little market garden and and I needed that sort of safe haven I didn't want to just be in a kitchen all the time cooking so I came down home and built this really awesome little garden with dad and um it was incredible to then be connected to seeing you know a seed come full circle um, to bear fruit that I would then cook with to then, you know, uh, sprout, a flower that then would give me the seed to regrow. It was like, okay, this is, this is the link that I needed. And yeah, that spiraled into what I'm, what I'm doing today.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. And so did you feel like, um, the sustainability piece, the connecting to earth, the growing piece was bubbling at, just under the surface during your time in these high-end kitchens? Because obviously there's a huge passion for produce quality, for respecting producers, building those beautiful relationships and really getting to know where the food's coming from so you can pay it respect on a plate. Um, was that then what built this for you?
1: Yeah, so my sister um, has a really small little beef um uh business out in Cowra and we're very close and as I was working at St Peter I'd come home and you know everyone's always got so many questions about oh what did you do with fish this week and what did you Mm. do and um you know I always struggled with seafood because I I don't fully understand how it really can be that sustainable um Mm. well if
0: anyone's going to make it sustainable it's josh
1: it is yeah absolutely we sure did we there was nothing left at the end Mm. of the day um and it was incredible and and so i was learning that side of 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 sustainability within the seafood world and then i'd come home and talk to jess about so my sister's still heavily involved in um in the new south wales dairy association so Mm -hmm. She teaches um, in Sydney unis and ha- has a lot, you know, a lot to share and really kind of linked me um, to the producer's side of of struggle. Of And whilst we would get complimented on, oh my gosh, your plate of food is so amazing and you're doing such an amazing job. I was like, I didn't really feel I was. I thought, no, I don't believe I deserve the recognition. I believe the person that produced it the person that did the harder yards than me deserves the appreciation and the recognition and 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 it just with growing that really spiraled and just I just started asking questions Brett really honed into me about the value of a conversations I was like I don't care how silly I sound I'm just gonna ask any question I Feel I need to know to try and give me the right information. I don't have enough time to sit and research and read every book. Mm. So I'm gonna, you know, do the get on the ground level and um and have the conversations. And yeah, it it was always there. I knew I wanted to run my own business, I knew I wanted to um bring it back to roots, and I knew I wanted to to create this kind of co op, which is what what if is and and when I started having conversations with Jess on my days off, I was like, wow, I actually need to stop looking out of my circle because I have a circle around me. are
0: not mm. just- I mean, but- humans funny? We think everything's out there and most often the best of what's to come is right in front of us. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's crazy. Mm. It's right and that us. kind of if we think about the biggest problems we face in making climate change and soil health and all those kinds of things relevant to the everyday person, It's not about massive big picture documentaries and, you know, all that kind of stuff out there. It's actually about planting something, growing it, keeping the seed, making a new plant grow and getting connected.
1: Yeah, you can't to go, you know, you can't just all of a sudden say, I'm going to be so sustainable. I'm going to be zero waste. I'm going to be so economical because it, it, you just can't do a cold turkey swap. You have mm. to You have to start in one aspect of your life. People, you know, revert to easy, convenient, what we've been taught, what we've grown up with. So to go cold turkey, it's just not possible to start. And, and that's what I really found. You know, I, oh, I love the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. And instead of thinking, oh, I'm never going to convince, you know, the world's population to all love <laughs> sourdough, but I could convince, you know, um my circle, which then leaches out to the next circle, which then and again, it's not about going, okay well I've got a product or you know come and buy my loaf of bread it's well if you can afford my loaf of bread and you don't have the time to make it, awesome, join on in. But if you have the time to make it even better. if you can implement, you know it's 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 not necessarily, it, it's whatever you kind of need to make it for yourself because our lives are all so vastly different to yeah. live all the same, it's impossible.
0: Yeah, 100%. I always say there's no shame in outsourcing, but if you are going to, like, let's make a plan and make it really good stuff. Yeah, Mm. yeah. So um, the What If Society was obviously born. Can you talk about the different components in that society and um, how you kind of came to decide on the structure?
1: Yeah, so... Um, don't know if it's my, um, biggest advantage or my biggest disadvantage, the name, the what if society, but mm-hmm. I kind of wanted it to be a question. I didn't want anyone to really go, oh yeah, that's just a food restaurant or a food premises. or so they just do this thing. I wanted it to be a question that people go, oh, well, what is what if, well, it's kind of whatever you want to make it for yourself because we have, you know, and, and To work with regenerative farmers, to work with, you know, really sustainable, um, ethically produced products, it does unfortunately come at a higher um, price bracket. So, you know, automatically our range, our products, what we're doing is sometimes a little bit too expensive for some people to afford. But that doesn't mean that we can't share and educate people to just rethink, rethink every inch of the carrot that they use from the carrot top to the peelings to the carrot or rethink how they're going to dispose of um, the, you know, single use plastic Mm. products that they have. It doesn't necessarily mean that, okay, well, the what if way is this. You you make it what you can within the same structures of what we're trying to do. So it is food, um, but the kind of beautiful thing was, food is linked to everything you know what do we eat food on a plate what do we eat it with cutlery well how is that produced it's it's a knock-on effect through it all how do we Mm. uh, dispose of the waste from our food it could go to feed animals or go into making another byproduct or x y and z so i wanted it to be this real chain of events and chain reactions so um We recently just um, launched a little studio, which is Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, So that kind of naturally fell into place. Um, So it's an open plan studio. We have kind of a little general store on one side where we hand make everything down from, you know, our pickles and our ferments to our butter to our kombuchas and ginger beers, vinegars, breads, all of those sort of things. And trying to be that one-stop shop for the everyday consumer, but viewing it as, well... If, you know, 50 years ago, we could live off just really, and I'm not saying simple because simple doesn't sound exciting, but, you know, the everyday essentials that should be just our everyday essentials and and live with, well, if I've got excess, maybe we could swap and trade and you could take some and then I could take something that you have and we have this, you know, full circle that is just, Communicating and connecting, and um, so yeah, we've got a little general store. Uh, it's a little eatery on the other side, so people can come in and 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 eat and see um, mm-hmm. the products, kind of that we sell. Um, and then we have our composting. So we compost. Um, it is a slow a slow burn. Uh, we have some really awesome little businesses from gyms in the Southern Highlands to cafes to you know offices composting with us. We collect their waste. Um, and then composted our little gardens um, and then of course there's our there's our masterclasses and our little events so trying to come trying to come at it as a well if you yeah again can't afford um, you know our bread or our butter or our milk then you know join our society be linked with our little recipes and wherever you source your food hopefully it changes the way you want to source your food and then the the way you want to use it and then the way you want to dispose of it. Um, You know, I've had a lot of people be like, oh, I happen to make some ricotta on the weekend and I've got all this whey. I don't really feel like processing it. Can you use it? I was like, absolutely, bring it on in. (laughs) Um, And yeah, that's the idea is is having this society where you can ask the question, you can um, get the answer, you can get a recipe or... Um, rethink, you know, whether you want to grow veggies at home or um, support the little community gardens. We've got a pocket of community gardens down here that, you know, have amazing little markets of a weekday selling, you know, produce that and the volunteers that actually work there are, you know, homeless or underprivileged people that uh, are, are trying to get a kickstart in life. So it's a really great little circle. And like I said to some people that came in yesterday, it's not about, coming and supporting me and giving you know me your money it's actually well if you come and support what if then you're actually supporting six seven other businesses within our circle and it's that chain of reaction Um, and hopefully look we we build this brand that other businesses that and like-minded individuals go hey I am a woodworker that you know uses recycled timber or I'm a um, a, you know a, a Anything, um, mm. you know, any artisan or any any producer of any kind goes. Hey, yeah, I want to be smarter about what I'm doing, and I want to make a difference, and I want to link with what if, and we can we can grow this um, this brand to reach more people and to grow a community.
0: Mm. And and that um, that waste reduction resourcefulness um, is is huge. And um, I'm, I want to ask you as you as you were kind of starting to set everything up. There would have obviously been a few sticking points along the way where you would have gone, oh, crap, we have ended up with this. There's just no way I'm going to be able to find a way to recycle that or use it or something. Were there some sticking points? Just, you know, especially as a chef, you would have done things a certain way for many years and then you do them in the zero-waste aim context and then you're like, oh, I'm going to have to figure out a way to sort that out. Um, what were some of those things in the very early stages?
1: Yeah, there was there was some sticky points, um, and because you, you're processing waste, you usually don't have enough time to do that. Like that's mm. that's the big. Thing. It's a whole so, job in,
0: unto itself.
1: Ah, uh, it is, and when you're processing a byproduct or a, a wasted ingredient, you usually have even less of a shelf time uh, to do it. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of before we launched. What if it was about nearly starting? Um backwards and going okay well what are we how are we going to process what do we want to do what do we want to offer that's going to form waste and then how are we going to you know process that waste and make sure it does get processed and kind of setting up making sure we were set up with uh, like I have a, a, a great dehydrator that helps me process, um, you know, if I can't um, preserve lemons quick enough, well, I'll, I'll stick some in a dehydrator and then I'll get a powder or a, um, a dried citrus or something like that. Um, I mean, I'm lucky enough I've, I've got some really beautiful crocs, um, mm-hmm. some Japanese crocs that got gifted to me. Um, they're 40 litres, so they can hold some some hefty um, mm-hmm. scraps um, quickly. But, yeah, literally just setting up things Backwards, being um, well aware of the volume that when you start producing things, the volume of waste that quickly adds up, and and actually already um, planning out what you're going to do with the coffee grounds or the um, yeah dried citrus or the I mean the yeah citrus waste or all the peels or um, the way when we make our cheese or the buttermilk from when we make our butter or even you know our coffee machine. When a barista makes a coffee, there's always a little bit of milk left. And, you know, most baristas will chuck that down the drain to get, a, uh, you know, fresh milk um, foaming. Well, we put it in a bucket and actually reduce it um, with some honey and it turns into like a condensed milk at the end of the day. So then we Hello. Put
0: it in. pop that in yeah. a jar and sell it to people. I'm sure they'd like that for a little ice cream drizzle or oh, whatever. Oh, but not if
1: you, put it yeah. It. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: and I think the other thing was, you know, there are a lot of people we've been welcomed so well, um, better than I kind of first um, assumed. And so many people want to work with you and so many people want to jump in and, and get involved or offer your range or whatever it may be. And I think the other thing is it's okay to say no. It's okay to go, hey, maybe not right now, but yes, in the future, let's pre-plan and and work out a strategy to get that across the line. Because if you don't, you're just actually going to become part of the problem. You're going to turn into this, well, actually, I don't have enough time to process that waste because I'm trying to fulfil this order of whatever it may be, so I'm not. And and sticking to your principles, I think, you know, a lot of um, missed identity and a lot of identity confusion has has come into the world of... um, hospitality and and people start a, a, a business and start a venture with this idea and think this is going to be amazing and it it's hard it's hard in the first it's hard for a long time and they go oh well this business is doing really well doing this so maybe I'll just do that it's like no really stick to your core values stick to what you know you wanted to achieve and it'll, it'll come time is time in cooking time in processing things in preserves time is 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 so valuable you've just got to trust that you do have enough um Mm. and
0: yeah and um i think that example of the barista's milk getting chucked into a bucket and reduced down with honey um like That's resource. That's not waste at all. That is something delicious, and and so seeing the opportunity in things is actually one of the real gifts of a a setup like yours, right?
1: Yeah, it's it. I kind of laugh. Some people are like, "Oh my goodness, what is this?" And I'm like, "It's waste." Um, Mm. you're in rubbish. (laughs) I sometimes kind of put trying to put back in a joke. We did a we launched a little dinner. Um. A couple of months ago called let's get wasted and it was yeah. a five course, um dinner and it was actually before we had our little studio we've connected with some really great businesses so we went into their space invited people to their you know their location to see their space and then we did an event and you know this form of collaboration was phenomenal and then we yeah we did this five course um tasting menu and i was a little to be honest it sounds really bad but i was a little daunted to um to offer it to grown men. I thought, Oh, they're going to come in and they're going to expect one thing. And and I feel like they might not be fulfilled and to have people, you know, clap and say, this menu is amazing. You know, you've, you've just so you've thought about it and you've done so well. It was, it just made sense to go, yeah, we're going to keep doing these and we're going to people, you can convince people to eat things that they assume as waste, and it's 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 a mind over matter thing. It's mm. and it's genuinely because we have been taught so different. We see one thing, so we think, yep, that's that's the way we've got to live. That's the way we've got to do things. And
0: well, we've been taught. We, I mean, you said before we hit record that you don't even have a TV. Most people were taught how to live by advertising i mean really let's be honest you see something on tv and you think oh that's the the spray i've got to buy to kill the blowflies or that's the um that's the chocolate i have to buy if i want to relax and have a break or you know um of course i won't be able to stop uh eating those chips because the ad said so that i'm not going to be able to stop when i start all those kinds of messages just get right in there and Um, And I remember seeing Neil Perry like decades ago, because I'm 40, nearly 46. And so if I had a sick day from home, he would be like on the Good Morning Australia kind of thing. And he would be rabbiting on about produce. It's all about the produce. And this was like in the late 80s. And I was like, oh, it just sounds so like posh and chefy and like, we don't have produce, we have potato gems. (laughs) I just remember thinking it was so disconnected from my reality and my understanding of food as an early teenager, 13, 14 years old, Um, because no one had really up until that point shown me the magic of produce. And then once you understand the gift that it is, how precious it is, how precious it is what we're walking on when we walk on soil and what's happening under there, um, and um, the the intelligence of nature, all of a sudden it becomes desirable, right? And once something's desirable, it then has value. And once it has value, then you don't want to waste anything. You want to make sure it all gets used and turned into something beautiful. And uh, it's so awesome hearing um, about what if working on changing people's perceptions, something I love doing as well. And I know so many communities, farmers, journalists, all sorts of people trying to help people make those connections now, because we're really at a point where our life depends on it.
1: Definitely, definitely. It's funny, like, you know, when I genuinely think back to the moment I stepped into food at 17, which is 10 years ago now, I never imagined it to be where it is today. You know, I thought, yeah, I want to work. I want to work at one of the best restaurants in the world, and I did. And I want to know what it is to cook perfect food. And then as I went along and I did things, I was like, oh, wow, like food, you know, it's in so many different forms. So many different cultures celebrate food for different reasons. Use a simple, um, you know, bread is transformed into so many different types of bread and we use it in so many different ways. And I thought, how is that not so cool? Like, how is that just not so intriguing to absolutely everyone to know that there is upwards of like, I think like 16 different types of corn, like, you know, not just that yellow corn on the cob that everyone sees in a supermarket, like food is endless. And it, it is genuinely, I really believe the the key to, to it all, because if we feed ourselves with the right food, we then perform differently. We think smarter, we feel better. It is this natural effect of if we're fueling ourselves right, or also then whatever we dispose from that is better. That's going back into the, you know, into the source, the earth that's evolving for us. It is this it's this, you know, full circle living that we should all want to be doing. It's it's not this competitive. Well, oh, someone's doing it better, so I've got to try and do it better. No, if we're just all doing it the same, then we're all better for it. And um, yeah, it's it really gets me excited to to think of. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to think of new ways to transform waste, but it makes me excited because I think, oh, I can't fully visualize what that end product could be when I'm dealing with the waste product. And that for me is exciting. Cause I'm like, well, what is it? It's a game. It's like, well, what could it become? I don't know. It could become something really cool like mm-hmm. condensed milk um, from a waste of product, you know? And I think, wow, I really hope to um, find a way um, into schools and to connect with um, the next generation because I do, you know, the first part of COVID was, Um, amazing for our industry you know chefs were starting to share and we went through this period where we didn't share recipes it was this competition it was well well, well, I'm not going to tell you how I do something because then you might do and you might do it better and then we've got a competition and it should never have been formed like that and you know we we opened up our world of hospitality and now it's kind of been going on for so long a lot of people you know, aren't wanting to come into our industry, even for producers with growing and and, and farming, because it's hard. It is mm. it is hard, but it, it, it shouldn't be hard if people are sourcing it correctly and people want to be connected and understand and have this relationship. I feel so incredibly lucky to be able to go and visit the gardens where my vegetables and produce comes from, see it growing, and then see it get delivered to me in a reusable, you know, crate, that I then just return back to the farmer and I've got nothing to put in the bin. Mm. And the vet, you know, the produce, people are like, oh, I feel like I can't even eat that. That's so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, it like really is. And you know why? Because it's been grown with intention and it's been, you know, um, it's been grown with purpose and and every, like it's, yeah, you, you don't even have to do anything to the produce because it's just, it just tastes so good. It actually mm. tastes like it tastes. Yeah.
0: And then once a human being's nourished, all of a sudden, all those weird snacky things that fill up 59% of our trolleys on average, which is just crazy to me to think yeah. of as a stat. Um, like people say we can't afford good produce or organics, but 59% of our trolleys are ultra processed foods um, that really yeah. don't serve to nourish us at all. And so actually, maybe we could and maybe we could change things up just by writing a new story about how we relate to food and what it is.
1: Well, definitely. I mean, I had a conversation with, um, Justin who's from Duckfoot farm who, who produces, I post a lot about him on, on our page. Um, he produces all our vegetables all above ground. He does the Charles doubting, um, no dig methods. So, uh-huh. uh, doesn't, you know, it doesn't dig, doesn't disrupt the, the, the ground beneath where all our microbes and everything that is in the ground, keeping the ground, you know, healthy stays there. Um, and it's all done by hand, all organically grown. And he's like, how amazing would it be to form a community where no matter what producer you are, if you're if you've got carrots, carrots all the same. So no, mm. no matter where anyone buys it, it's the same price for a carrot. So nobody's out of pocket. Nobody is, is you know, bigger or better that, that's been the biggest issue with this with our food is mm. okay it's cheaper to import so we'll import all this stuff and you know then people can get carrots for two dollars a kilo and organic or you know regenerative farming um carrots are now you know six dollars a bunch and people are like there'd be no way i can afford that it's like well there would be if we changed a few little um things like essentially just don't don't buy your fruit and veg from Coles and Woolworths or, you know, these other brands buy it from, you know, your local farmer's markets. There's, there's, in Sydney, there are, you know, phenomenal um, uh, businesses getting veg boxes from small produced farmers all over Sydney, you know, and they can be delivered to your door. It is dead simple. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, I've loved using the, um, Uh, hashtag recently eat with intention because it just it it sparks excitement like it really it's what we should be all doing and we're eating every single day
0: yeah and I was chatting to actually a completely unrelated topic but in a way became related Um, an amazing doctor in the U.S. that teaches people how to um, excuse me that teaches people how to fast Um, in safe ways uh, because fasting is one of the ways that our cells do their tidying and decluttering and ditch the bad guys that aren't serving the body and all of that stuff. Um, So far from being like a trendy protocol, it's actually an incredibly useful exercise. One of the things that she taught me was around the 16, 17 hour mark, um, where you achieve something called autophagy, which is like the serious cleanup, and the brain starts cleaning up dead cells and, and bad cells and detoxifying. She said something fascinating. She said, What the gut is then starting to do is um, repair itself. And once a gut is repaired, it can make use of nutrients better. And when you can make use of nutrients and then produce nutrients better because you have better gut bugs. Um, you then actually need less food in general. You don't need this crazy 2000 calories a day situation that we're told we need to get all the um, energy we need because you're actually getting super high quality nutrition. You're able to metabolize everything, use everything. And it just kind of, again, comes back to that ridiculous 59% of our trolley is ultra processed. It's killing our gut microbes. It's making us sick. It's, overfeeding and undernourishing us, causing obesity and all this extra crap, and we whinge about $6, $7 a kilo organic carrots, which have seven times the vitamin A, which have, uh, you know, ten times the beta carotene, all the good things, Um, and then you're actually nourished. And I think when you say eat with intention as your hashtag, I love that, Eilish, because it means Um, slowing down appreciating uh really being present to the moment of the food that you're consuming and all of that actually helps us to start realizing what is good and true and what's just you know shiny bells and whistles trying to take away our um, attention from what is good and true
1: yeah definitely it's actually funny you talk about um microbes i've been linked with a a nutritionalist um shannon bart she's from down here i do some retreats with her Mm. and it was funny we were having this conversation and i've i've had some gut health issues before get some bad psoriasis and that with my cooking and and um you know been to many doctors tried many different things and it wasn't until i spoke to shannon that it it all made sense and it all clicked and she's like you know People think that they have this addiction to chocolate. You know, they're addicted to sugar. They're addicted. It's not. It's actually their microbes. And when you feed them Mm. these processed foods, they've got to work twice as hard to process that through your body. So then your energy levels are down. You're tired. You know, you if you hurt yourself, it hurt. You know, it, it it hurts harder, and it's like because all these microbes that are made up in your body to, to help you function are off processing these bad foods. And Mm. I actually did a fast. I kind of, when I left St. Peter, I felt a little bit disconnected. I was like, Oh, I have grown so much, but I don't want to be in the city anymore. I, 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 I feel I'm not doing what I, you know, really feel I need to. And I took, um, some time off and I traveled, I traveled from Sydney to Perth to my sister's wedding in a van and I was with some friends and I was like, you know what, we're just going to pack the van full of our pickles, our ferments, some good wine and we're just going to catch, like we're just going to forage and catch the rest of our food. That's mm-hmm. how I learned how to make sourdough. We learned it on the road. And we were in Victoria at the time and um, a buddy of mine, a British friend of mine was like, oh, I've actually fasted before. Like, do you want to do, do it for three days? And I was like, yeah, yeah, like let's do it. I mean, sure. <laughs> no no other reason why and it was incredible to feel yeah I, I just i just felt so much cleaner i slept better and then when i did start to eat again and i started to replenish my body with food i felt the, the 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 difference and i was like wow but i feel like i might not have actually ever done a fast if i didn't have that time away didn't have that time to actually dedicate mm. focus because getting out of your everyday slug and your, your everyday lifestyle, it's hard to then go, no, I'm I'm really going to implement this change and I'm going to do it. And it is, it's challenging. You, 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 you're distracted by all these temptations. And if you can go a month free of these processed foods, you realize that you don't have those cravings anymore. You don't want them because they're out of your cycle. And if you can be implementing the right foods, it's a couple of weeks of genuinely a, a bad kind of addiction of, and people don't think that food can be addictive, this addiction, and then it's gone and then mm. you're, you're better for it, you're, you're smarter, you're wiser, you're acting better, you're, you're all of the above.
0: Mm. Yep, that's for sure. Mm. So um, Eilish, I want to ask you where do you see What If going? Because obviously it's been going for a little while now and there's a lot of excitement and um, so many places you could take something like this. What's your perfect case scenario?
1: Um, Perfect case scenario is to see what if um, pop up all over Australia, to be honest. I, I, I never want people, I never want to search for people to work for me. I want people to see an opportunity for them in this business and go, hey, I want to do this and that's why it's called the What If Society because, you know, whilst I've opened a little little store here in the Highlands, it doesn't mean that um, I won't try and open something maybe in Adelaide. I love Adelaide or Perth and it be a completely different style of um, establishment but still focuses on all the um, major points and practices of what If. And the idea is that if we grow this society, people can come in, and if they see something for it themselves, they can come in. They can learn the, you know, what I believe is the right practices and, and the way forward. And and if they if they have an idea, and it, it might be to open another little studio or um, fish shack or a whatever at farm farm say whatever it may be, and they want to use the what if society and grow that brand how great to see someone come and visit our mosfow store and then go i'm going on a holiday in adelaide and i can go and see another what if branch and it be unique to Adelaide, but it follows the same principles. You know, um, I had some people on holidays a while ago come down and see me and they're like, oh, so excited to take your honey back to where I live. And I'm like, where do you live? And they live up in Queensland. I'm like, "Whilst well, that's great. I hope that they can understand the message we're trying to receive and go, hey, I want to find my local honey supplier, mm. I my local veg supplier, and I want to support them. I don't want to, I want to live the what if way that's, you know, closest to me. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, I'd love to see little pockets of all different types of establishments reaching all different kinds of, um, the community all over Australia and it being mm. to us Aussies.
0: I love that. And what, That sounds like is so different from the I can go and have a McDonald's French fry and it will taste exactly the same everywhere in the world. It's actually the brand is a set of values rather than a set of look and feel because that look and feel is going to change depending on where it pops up and what the local situation is there. So that's awesome. Um, Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I love hearing about these fantastic community projects if you want to get in touch with Eilish please feel free guys I think the more we start to engage with these grassroots movements and and community organizations the better off we're all going to be and if the result is connecting to our food in a more meaningful way and realizing we can all be part of the solution then hooray
1: amazing thanks so much for having me
0: well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at lowtoxlife, or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at lowtoxlife uh, and, of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro, and about 25 pounds. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lotoxlife.com, hit the Explore tab and you'll see Join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.